What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Just going to go ahead and get this out of the way. In the first part of the podcast, unlike usually at the end, um, social media, at Lacrosse Bucket, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any place uh, you have social media, really. Uh, my personal, at Tanner underscore Dimling on Twitter. LacrosseBucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. First week of the NLL is in the books. And we also have some big news in the college game as well. So we're going to dive into that first. Talk about the NLL on the back end of the podcast. So NCAA. Big news coming out today, yesterday. It's they are dropping... Every second, it seems, uh, schedules are coming out all over the place. Canisius, Mount St. Mary's, Syracuse, Hopkins have all released. Fort well, Furman, they haven't released it yet, but I have their schedule. Uh, it's been sent to me a few weeks ago, actually. Have all dropped their schedules. Bellarmine dropped their schedule today as well. Schedules are dropping all over the place. Um, so first off, let's get into kind of order here. I'm just going to go over Hopkins and Syracuse. Um, I'm not going to go. I, I'll mention a little bit of Canisius, Mount St. Mary's, and Bellarmine. But I'm going to mostly go over Hopkins and Syracuse in this uh, section just because they are the two most prominent teams that have released their schedules over the past couple of days. So. For Hopkins, the first thing that you have to that you have to to note with this schedule is the um they are not playing Virginia this year. Um, if you know Virginia Hopkins, a uh, big rivalry in lacrosse. They play for the Doyle Smith Cup, which is named after a guy who was a manager and statistician. Or Hopkins, and then was an assistant SID at Virginia, uh, and also did stats for them as well, being the SID. Um, he was also the official, he did stats or something for the USILA, revolutionized uh, the way we look, uh, the st- statistics in lacrosse. Um, so uh, they are not playing this year. It is the first time in 73 seasons that they will have not met. Um, I know back in probably May or April, I believe it was, um, I'd been told that, that Hop and Virginia did not have each other on their schedules in 2020. Um, and yeah, it's 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 officially, you know. I mean, and you had heard it multiple times throughout the summer and and coming into the fall. But uh, with Hopkins' schedule being released yesterday, of uh, recording here on a Wednesday afternoon, it's it's official. And Virginia and Hopkins are not on each other's schedules in 2020. You know, me growing up watching those Virginia teams. 
Um, what with the Blatt and Twins, what's Steel Standwick? I mean, I had a poster of Shamel Blatt uh, in my room when I was younger, and you know, watching those teams, one of the best games of the year was always Virginia Hopkins, and it still is to this day. And even when they were really bad back in 20, what, 15, 16 ish era, when they were really bad, and they probably shouldn't have made the NCAA tournament, but they both did because they're Virginia and Hopkins, they were some good games. And yeah, I don't think last, last year was a, I believe last year was a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say blowout, but it was a bit of a, um, a big win, I should say, for Virginia. Um, and they did win the national championship. Uh, but you know, just, 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 you hate to see it because it is such a, um, su- such a big, big game in lacrosse. And really, I, I mentioned it again. Like these two teams have a similar history, especially in this past decade of being really good at the beginning of the decade and really kind of falling in, in like really falling into a dark time there um, with Virginia and Hopkins. Now, past that, got that out of the way. You know, they will start the season on February eighth against Towson. They usually start against Towson, I believe, um, or a Maryland opponent. So they start against Towson. They'll play Loyola on the fifteenth of February, and then they will have the uh, well. They start at home at Towson. They have uh, their first, what I would call, a big home game against North Carolina on the twenty second. If you remember last year, that game was played in the complete mud. Um, and UNC, they hadn't finished their new lacrosse facility, or lacrosse stadium yet. I believe it's used for soccer or something like that as well, but they hadn't finished that yet, so they still have to play on the football field. And I don't know why UNC has a grass football field. Um, they're probably one of the only ACC teams I can think of. I don't remember. We know Syracuse doesn't. Louisville doesn't. I don't. Clemson might. I know Miami does because um, they're in that in, a, in the NFL stadium there, but UNC is one of the only besides those. Virginia might okay, so there's there's quite a bit, but still, it was in the complete mud, and uh, you you can go look up pictures of it. It's it's actually pretty insane that they were even able to play in that one, uh, play in those conditions because you know you had the ball, so many ground ball battles get stuck in the mud, and I mean it, it was. It was terrible, and uh, I think that game last year, Hopkins won 11-10, and you know UNC this year is supposed to be really good. You got Chris Gray transferring in from Boston U. That's that's going to be an exciting one, and um, and I, I do want to mention this Loyola game. I kind of skipped over it, but uh, the battle for Charles Street or the uh, Charles Street massacre, you know what, whatever side you stand on, um, you know Hopkins leads uh, leads the whole series like. 50-something to 8. It's, it's around that mark. Um, Loyola has won the past five, uh, five of the past six meetings. So, and, you know, Pat Spencer is gone. But, you know, I, I've kind of heard things out of out of Loyola saying, you know, we're going to be much better than people think we're going to be. You know, I, you know, I have some suspicions about Loyola coming into the season, especially early on. And this should be a pretty good game because second week of the season, um, 
both teams kind of looking to not necessarily rebound, but Hopkins is looking to kind of prove their worth. Joey Epstein being a sophomore now, uh, really want him to come to uh to, to come to light and be the star that he can be. Got Loyola trying to recover from the Pat Spencer syndrome where, you know, um, they just were, were so good for so long. Um, we do have Hopkins and Princeton on the 29th. Uh, Michael Sowers obviously playing in that one for Princeton. Uh, but I, I, I really do think Hopkins gets that one there. And then the big one, uh, Johns Hopkins and Syracuse. That one's a home game for Hopkins this year uh, on March 7th. These two teams have split the past three meetings. I, I really think that's going to be a good one as well. Um, both teams kind of have this energy coming into the season, especially I think more so on the Syracuse side, but uh, definitely a game that uh, everyone circles on their calendar. The Blue Jays will then play Mount St. Mary's at home, uh, which gave them a bit of trouble last season, but I, I would expect them to roll them this year. Uh, well, not necessarily roll them, but I, I would expect them to, you know, eventually break free um, and, and, and get the win. Uh, while the Hopkins Virginia rivalry is at a halt, the Navy and Hopkins rivalry is uh, r- resurrected this year, and and we knew this was going to happen. Um, they had to take them off the schedule for two years, I believe it was. Hopkins going to Navy in mid March, March fourteenth this year. Hopkins, excuse me, will go to Delaware on March seventeenth as well. I had someone tell me, so you know, Hopkins schedule. I said, yeah, it's it's it it's tough. Towson and Loyola should be a little bit down, but I still think both teams will be be quality opponents. UNC should be better. Princeton has Michael Sowers, but not much else. Syracuse is Syracuse, and I have Chase Scanlon now. Um, and, and then this one, I said, you know, Mount St. Mary's, Navy, Delaware, Michigan. They said those are three easy wins, or uh, uh, four easy wins. I was like, no. Um, Michigan, they're young. They're young with a lot of the young talent they have in there. I don't expect them to kind of uh, shock anybody this year, uh, but I do think this is going to be the year that we kind of see Michigan uh, start to come out of their shell, per se, and really do good things. And looking at this Delaware game, like, that's a trap game for, for Hopkins because you play Mount St. Mary's, who I think they should win, They who I think they should beat. You play Navy, who I think they should beat. And then you play Delaware. And mind you, Delaware is a team that, you know, right now, they're my pick to win the CAA. I think they're that good. I think they have uh, uh, all the talent in the world to compete with a team like Hopkins. And they always play Hopkins close. Um, last year, it was a very close game. I, I would expect the same this year. So that's a trap game there for Hopkins because you're starting Big Ten play with Michigan, who's a team I, I would expect them to beat them this year. Not big, not a blowout, but I would expect them to win. And you have Mount St. Mary's and Navy, which are also two games that you expected to win. And those two games are after you played Syracuse. So... You might be looking ahead to that Rutgers game for a couple weeks, which is after Michigan. 
you could trip up one or two games there, uh, possibly and most likely against Delaware. Now, I do mention they play Rutgers to start April on April 4th. They will then play Penn That's at Rutgers. They will then play Penn State at home, Ohio State on the road, and end with Maryland at home. The obvious two big ones, though, Penn State and Maryland. Uh, I think are the two top teams in the in the Big Ten, I, you know, I think Penn State's going to be a national championship uh, contender this year again. I think they should be in the national championship game. Uh, possibly Penn State, Virginia, uh, Maryland also has a shot as well. We know the history and the rivalry of that one. Um, some key games here for Hopkins, obviously at Loyola. Talk about that rivalry. North Carolina talked about that one a bit. Syracuse and then Maryland. You know, outside of those four games. You know, I don't see too much trouble. I, I do mention Delaware in there and uh, a couple Big Ten games of Rutgers, Ohio State. Um, Ohio State actually... Ohio State, I think, is actually a highly underrated team this year just because of how bad they were to end last season. Um, so, I, I, if I'm a Big Ten team, I would be on the lookout whenever I play Ohio State this year. Just say. Will they win the Big Ten? Probably not, but they I think they have all the talent in the world too. Moving on to this Syracuse schedule here. I'm gonna say this real quick. I, 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 and I'm obviously joking when I say this, but you know, back in the sixties and, and early seventies, they would complain about uh Bill Bryant and and Alabama, how they would rarely ever poke their head above the Mason-Dixon line. Um, when are we going to say the same thing about Syracuse rarely ever leaving the state of New York? <laughs> and I know it's different, but still, you got Colgate, Binghamton, Army, and Hobart to start the season. You obviously you play Cornell, and you play Albany as well late in the season. Then we have one, two, three... Four, five. They only have six games um, that are out of the state of New York this year. Um, like I, I don't have a problem with it, and I think it's. I just think it's kind of funny that no one ever complains about that. Um, but I think this is a solid schedule for Syracuse. Um, obviously they start on a Friday night against Colgate in the Dome. We all know what happened last year on a Friday night in early February inside the Dome. Colgate came in there and stunned the Orange. I I, I don't think that's going to happen again this year because Colgate does lose some quality talent, especially on that offensive end. But, hey, anything is possible. Now, they play Binghamton next on February 15th, you know, I love Coach McEwen. He's a great guy, um, and I, th- I think he's done wonders with that Binghamton program, kind of getting them back to where they need to be a few years ago. They've had a couple down years. I you know, I just can't see Binghamton beating Syracuse this year um, or really even competing with them. Uh, the game against Army will be on the 23rd of February. No, I think that's a win as well. For the Orange, you know, Army, they had a great team last year, but 
they just have too many losses for me to even peg them as like a favorite or a contender in the Patriot League. Um, although do I, I do like a lot of the talent they do bring back, especially on that offensive end. Their offense has been a lot better um, as of last year than we've seen in the past. So Army does provide a uh, quality opponent, a um, a challenge for Syracuse, but you know, really, I don't think that that would happen. Um, the one I'm worried about for Syracuse early in the season is on February 28th, the battle for the Klaus Simmons Trophy. I know Hobart hasn't beaten Syracuse since 2013. I know. But Hobart returns almost everybody on their offense from last year. They lose like one or two guys. I believe one or two guys. Yeah, they uh they're Hobart. But from what I saw of them in the fall, and from what I saw from guys last season, you know, this is a team that is expected to compete at the top of the conference this year. And, you know, will they beat Syracuse? I don't know if I... I wouldn't put any money on it. That'd just be too stupid. But I do think they do... I, I think they do propose a a certain threat to the Orange this year. Um, then Syracuse will play after that. They'll play John Hopkins. Talked about that game. Um, already talking about Hopkins. That's a big one for Syracuse. They'll add Hopkins. And also, the game against Hobart is the last one in the Dome for the season. Um, I do want to mention, they are putting a new roof on the Carrier Dome. Um, so, Syracuse will cross... Men and women cannot play in the Carrier Dome uh, past March 1st. So, 228 against Hobart is the last game in the Dome of the season. Uh, they'll go on the road at Hopkins. We know how big that game is. already mentioned it. And then they will go on the road at Rutgers, which, you know, I, I don't really know too much about Rutgers this year. Um, I I I don't see them doing anything spectacular per se. Um, and I you know, I do think Syracuse will get that win there, but you know Rutgers has had some really good teams in the past couple of years. They've lost some talent, but they still got some good guys back. Adam Charlembeides is finally a senior. Um, after his two red shirt years, after tearing. I believe it was the same ACL both times, or maybe both ACLs, but he's had a, a, a good show of injuries there. Syracuse will start their ACC slate against Duke on the road. And this is one I have mentioned on my schedule preview for Syracuse as a key game for Syracuse. Uh, they beat Duke 2019 National NCAA semifinalist. Duke Blue Devils. They beat them nine to eight in overtime last year. This one was at uh, uh, Sierra North High School um, when Syracuse. I believe that a, was it. 
basketball or something. They couldn't play in the dome that day, so they put at this high school. It's actually the same high school they're playing both the uh, late uh, home games at this year when they can't play at the dome because of the new roof being installed. Uh, this is a game that was probably one of the best last year. And I would, you know, with Duke losing some quality talent out there, uh, especially on the defensive end with Cade Van Vapost, but still return JT Giles Harris. And with Syracuse returning, uh, with Syracuse, you know, getting H.A. Scanlon, Tucker Dwardovic coming back. Like, I think this is going to be a quality, you know, chess match between offense and defense, to be honest with you in this one. And it's, I, I, I think really this could be another overtime finish. And I believe Syracuse went on like a five goal run last year at the end of the game to even get it to overtime uh, against Duke. And then uh, Brendan Curry, I believe it was, had the game winner with uh, under a minute left in overtime. Uh, then they will continue the, the ACC slate March 28th at no, uh, against Notre Dame at Ciro uh, North High School. And then uh, Albany and Cornell are both on the road. I'll talk about those in a second. Then Syracuse go, uh, at Ciro uh, North High School against North Carolina. And then they will finish their season at Virginia. Now, the three games I want to talk about here in this late slate. Albany, Cornell, Virginia. UNC poses a... Uh, UNC will be a good one as well. They beat Syracuse in the ACC tournament last year. I mentioned they get uh, Chris Gray transferring in. Albany. This one, okay, I don't know how good this game. Albany and Cornell, I don't know how good of games these will be this year. Um, I, I can't see either team. I can see Albany winning the American East because of Albany. I can't see Cornell winning the Ivy. Like at all, I know they have Jeff Teat. I know they have they have uh, Chase Owen and Goal. I know they have a ton of great talent, but I I just cannot see them winning the Ivy this year. Um, I can't see them beating Syracuse either uh, with the talent that Syracuse has. Now I can see it being a very close game, but I would expect Syracuse to win this one. Um, that one is at Cornell, as I mentioned. They will not have home games patch past March first. Besides those two that are played at Ciro North High School. In Syracuse. Also, Albany. This is a historic game. Why? It is the first time that Syracuse will travel to Tom and Mary Casey Stadium to take on the Albany Great Danes, Great, Great Danes on the road. This is a big one. This is a humongous game. And yeah, it's in it's it's late in the season. It can mean different things for different teams. For either team, really. Depending on how those seasons have gone, this could be a big time matchup. Already, just the fact that Syracuse is going to Albany makes this a game to circle and a pretty big time matchup. I would say so. This is going to be, and really, I think no matter what, like, I think this rivalry, I don't know if you want to call it a rivalry. I don't know if Syracuse people do. I don't know if Albany people do. 
but I've heard people uh, uh, call it uh, call it a rivalry, a budding rivalry. I've I've heard. I mean, the Hoke and Coke and Albany up against Syracuse, and you know uh, Chase Scanlon. They play together in the summer in box. So I mean, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a pretty good matchup. And if Syracuse just comes out there and takes the, you know, blows the tires off, so be it. It's still a historic game, and it will be fun to watch. Now, this last game here, when Syracuse will travel to Virginia, <clears throat> Virginia, defending national champions. Syracuse, uh, excuse me, Virginia bested Syracuse 15-14 to in an overtime victory in the Dome last season, but Drake Porter had his second highest save total of the season with 13 saves in the game. This is one where, yes, Virginia is, at the moment, the, su- the superior team because of what they have at... um coming in and all the hype surrounding them. But Virginia has a target on their back. Again, this is the last game of the season. This is an ACC game. This could have impl- implications in the postseason. This is going to be a big-time matchup. Syracuse almost took down Virginia last season. Virginia then goes on to win the national championship. The, like This last game of the season... Depending on where, how the standings rank and everything like that, could be one of the biggest games in the ACC in 2020. Hands down, could be one of the most important games in the ACC. Again, it would all depend on where these teams, where these teams lie in the in, in the ACC standings and all of that, but it has the potential to be that. And you know, Syracuse with a. a, a I don't want to say decimated defense because you do have Nick Mellon coming back. Like I'm going to be excited to see who they put Nick Mellon on um, on Virginia's team. And I mean, this is this is this is going to be a fun matchup. A fun matchup. I think both offenses are going to be very very good this year. I didn't even mention Syracuse has Pat Marsh coming in as the OC. So this is going to be a very good matchup. Could possibly be some high points. Uh, could possibly be a low scoring game. I I, I really don't know. Uh, what this game will bring, and again, it'll all depend on where these teams rank in the uh, in the ACC coming into this game. All right, moving on to the NLL. Um, let's see which game. I'll just go by the order of these games that these games were played in. Um, week one of the National Lacrosse League season. Took place over the weekend. Fantastic opening weekend. Uh, great production from the BR live team. Awesome. Awesome everything there. Uh, a couple good games. One kind of blowout game. Well, uh, one game, the scoreline is a little generous. The final score is a little generous. Um, and, and there was some incidents that happened in that. Final quarter that I'm going to have to talk about. Don't really want to talk about. Uh, I'd rather talk about the game. But I'll start off here with Saskatchewan 
beating Colorado 9-8. This one is your typical Saskatchewan-Colorado game. Defensive heavy, but I'll mention this. You had a guy step, step above and beyond and carry his team to victory. Um, on both ends. And really, I'm going to mention this a lot this weekend. Goaltending this weekend, outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. So Colorado, Saskatchewan. This one was at Colorado. Remember Colorado is the team that knocked out Saskatchewan in the uh, first round of divisional semifinals of the playoffs last season. And for the first time in a while, um, the Rush start 1-0. I, I cannot remember the last time that happened. They usually do start pretty slow. Um, also, I will mention Calgary did win, so the defending champs don't start Owen, aren't going to start 0-2 again. That's That's been a thing over the past, what, I guess three seasons now? Um, but back to the Saskatchewan-Colorado game. Saskatchewan wins 9-8. Robert Church goes absolutely off in the Saskatchewan game for the rush. Eight. So the man, he was part of eight of all eight of eight of Saskatchewan's nine goals. He had three goals himself and five assists. The man was on fire this weekend. Absolutely dominating performance from Robert Church. He was you know, getting getting the ball in the right place, putting it back in the back of the net, getting guys the ball. He was just a true uh, leader on that team, on the offensive end. On the defensive end, we need to talk about Evan Cook. First off, glad to see him back. He had an injury last season. Uh, he took the summer off to kind of, uh, I believe he did. Was it him or Mike Poulin took the summer off? Never mind that. But he had an injury last season. Uh, went down hard. I believe it was a, a groin thing. And uh, he, he's come back strong. And uh, 34 saves off of 32 shots. Outstanding performance from Evan Kirk in the opener here to really help that Saskatchewan defense. And speaking of defensive line, Dilks is back for Saskatchewan on the back end as well. He had a fantastic game. Seekoff, uh, having three cost turnovers and uh, scooping up six loose balls and the game, or in the win, I should say. For Colorado, Dylan Ward was absolutely fantastic. 54 saves off of 63 shots. Now, I'm going to say this. Saskatchewan, I, mean, I mentioned Robert Church being part of eight of the nine goals. This Saskatchewan offense was shooting the ball. They outshot uh, Colorado by... About 20 in this game. <clears throat> Was it the, the, the deciding factor? I, I, you know, I, I I don't think that... And you're going to face a lot of shots in box, and I don't think that out-shooting a team is certainly the key to winning a game at all. 
Um, but I, you know, when the more shots you get, the more chances you have to put it back in there. Let's just say that. And so, I, I think it is impressive they outshot Colorado by uh, by twenty. You didn't look at this Colorado offense and kind of say, okay, you know, they're still trying to figure some things out. Um, on that front end, I thought the defense looked looked very good. Um, besides giving up sixty three shots, I thought you know Dylan Ward was absolutely in, uh, insane, a madman as always. Uh, I do want to mention Evan Cook did have the game winning save there uh, late in the game as one of his thirty four saves. Dylan Ward making fifty four. Um, just just outstanding game from the goaltenders in this one and. Mentioned Robert Church, and when you look at when you look at Colorado, they didn't really have a guy that really stood out and and uh, impacted the offense like that. Uh, Jacob Rue had three goals and two assists, uh, but you had Ryan Lee with two goals, Chris Wardle with two goals. Uh, Ryan Lee also had an assist as well. Kyle Killen had one goal, one assist. Um, so I mean, you didn't really have a dominating figure in that offense. It was a little bit more balanced than Saskatchewan's was. Um, I don't know Saskatchewan did have Ryan Keenan and Mark Matthews and Ben uh, Ben McIntosh all contribute as well. So it was a pretty evenly balanced game and you can see both these teams are still trying to um, as in all these games, both teams are trying to figure some things out. Um, I'm going to talk about this game that was on Saturday uh, night, and then I'll talk about Calgary, Vancouver. So, uh, Georgia absolutely annihilates Rochester in their uh, franchise and home opener. Thirteen to four was the final. Miles and Lyles Thompson. It's one of the I believe from Adam Levy put on Twitter. It was like the third time or something like that having both having a hat trick. Um, it was all Thompson in that game. To be honest, a uh, really really dominating performance from Georgia. Uh, Mike Poulin, uh had, I believe, like a 96 or something save percentage. He was played out of his mind. Um, Rochester, you could really... I really expected more from that Rochester offense. They went like... I don't even know how far or how long. They went a while, like maybe an entire quarter uh, without a goal. And that's... That is quite concerning. Um, so, okay, here's Mike Poulin's stats. He had a 90, it's about a 95 roundup, 95% save percentage uh, in that game. So the Poulin wall was standing tall for the swarm in the victory in Rochester. I expected Rochester's offense to be much better. Now, going up against Mike Poulin, it's never easy. Going up against Georgia is never easy. Uh, do you want to mention Craig Wendy got the start in Rochester? Uh, love to see him get the start there. I would not be surprised though if Steve Fryer got the start. Not they don't play this weekend, but in two weeks, I would not be surprised if Steve Fryer got the start. Um, and again, like I don't, you know, giving up that many goals against Georgia, you know. I don't think that the coaching staff and, and, and is is looking into that. I don't think Mike Hazen and uh, head coach and GM Dan Kelly are looking at, at at it as like, oh, he gave up 15 goals. I think that 
know, Craig Wendy will probably get another start, but I think they're still trying to look and figure out who's the right fit to start in this, uh, start start for this defense. So Rochester still figuring things out, and uh, Georgia just um, absolutely annihilated them. Now, Calgary 12, Vancouver 7. This was a Friday night game. Uh, Calgary looked really good. This was a dominating performance from Calgary. Um, I, this this is a generous final score because there and and Vancouver actually out lose balled and outshot um, Calgary in this game, which I was very in, especially the loose ball thing. I can't remember the time when Vancouver out lose balled anybody. So very happy with the strides that Vancouver's made. I you know they had the whole the whole show going on there, packed house there, um, or not packed house, but it w- looked. Fairly good crowd in Vancouver, um, and like I, 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 I want them to move in the right direction. You know they've been at the bottom for so long. I want them to move in the right direction. I think that's going on, but it might take some time. And um, I thought their defense looked, even though like Calgary just came out and kind of annihilated them in in, in the first half to an extent, and then things got chippy in the second half. And I'll talk about that in a minute. I, I you know, I, I, I do think. I, I was a bit disappointed in Vancouver's defense after all their talk of we're gonna get bigger, we're getting bigger on the back end, we're bolstering this back end, we want this back end to be one of the best back ends and uh, one of the defenses in, in in the league. We want this to be a winning franchise. They did not play like a winning franchise on Saturday at all. Oh, excuse me, on Friday. This was quite embarrassing, I should say, for for Vancouver, and if I'm a Vancouver fan, um, I, I I would be quite embarrassed with this result. Uh, but I think the fans left happy. I think they left. Uh, they got their money's worth. And uh, we saw Zach Collier and Logan Schuss drop the gloves. Uh, that was after a Chris O'Doherty hit. Oh, I can't believe I can't remember who he hit. Uh, but a scrum occurred there. Um, there was some pushing and shoving that happened. Believe that in the second, early in the third, around the goal, around the uh, around the crease, and then the uh, the big one that uh, you know Nick uh, Nick uh, Beach for Vancouver defenseman just got traded over a few weeks ago from Saskatchewan. Great player, big Nick Beach fan. He is you know what appears to be he's probably going to be out for the season, and. He had a collision with Tyler Burton. I know Vancouver wants to say it was a dirty hit. I know Calgary wants to say it's a collision. I've watched it about 10, 15 times. I don't see any intent on Tyler Burton's part to dive at his legs, at Nick Bilic's legs, and to injure Nick Bilic. I, I, I don't see any of that. Um... He was a little off balance and he was falling down. And I think when you, it, 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 it's an unfortunate situation. I think he was in a situation where he had to protect himself. You know, someone's coming at him and he was off balance trying to throw the ball. Kind of went down and, you know, he took, Tyler Burton took Nick Billich's knee into his ribs. Nick Billich, um, he was mic'd up for the game. 
and uh, you could hear on the broadcast, and I I've heard that you could hear it all over the the arena the uh, the arena, and that it was went silent. Uh, Nick Billich, uh let out a pretty uh, pretty big scream after he went down, uh, holding his his knee. I believe his uh, right knee, I believe it was a left knee. Um, you know, wish all, all, all the best to Nick Billich, but you know, it, it's an unfortunate situation, and I hate that we're like week one, and this is the thing that everyone's talking about. I know Vancouver has, you know, and, and, and 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 that's what I think that hit Chris O'Doherty had stemmed a bit from that. Um, I can't remember who he hit. I don't remember that. Um, but you did see it one time. There was like three guys in the penalty box for Calgary. A couple in there for Vancouver. And again, it's it's a rivalry. Like these two teams have a history with each other. And it's um it it it, it was an intense game. It, it, your emotions were flying high, and and I and I understand that. And it was uh you know if you like contact, it was a a very fun game to watch. Uh, Zach Kelly and Logan Shus dropping the gloves. Um. I do think Chris O'Doherty got the mat. I'll pull up the. There was a lot of penalties in this. I'll pull up the. The shit. The stash. Yeah, Chris O'Doherty got the match penalty. He'll probably be suspended for a game or two. Uh, then you had Zach Collier and Logan Shuss get the fighting penalties. You had. Ryan Martel, uh, Chad Cummings. Chris O'Doherty all get roughing. Uh, O'Doherty obviously had that match penalty, which uh, we know that will likely be an inje- uh, a suspension. I mean, you just had a ton of a ton of penalties. Like at nine thirty-five, there was like in the game there was about uh, in the in the fourth quarter there was about uh, about five six penalties here. Another one here at thirteen thirty-nine was about seven or eight. It was just. The end of the game turned into kind of a scrum, per se, instead of a lacrosse game, um, and I understandably so. You know, you're getting, you know, you're getting your behind beat, and you, you know, it's it it it's not looking good for you, and uh, you got to find a way. And, you, know, you have frustrations and all that. Completely understandable. Uh, do wish the best for Nick Bilich, um, as I believe the entire NLL and lacrosse community does. Uh, fantastic player. Hate to see someone like him go down this early in the season. Moving on to this weekend's games. Uh, I don't want to like preview these too much because it is week two. Uh, we have three games this weekend. The New York Riptide at the uh, at the Halifax Thunderbirds. We have Toronto Rock at the New England Black Wolves. And we have the Buffalo Bandits versus the San Diego Seals. This is gonna be a exciting weekend. Um, one because lacrosse people, 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 lacrosse the NLL has arrived in Halifax. The NLL has arrived in Halifax. That's what we got this weekend. New York new expansion franchise, Halifax moving from Rochester, as y'all know. 
coming down to Halifax. It's going to be the home opener in Halifax. I'm excited for what this team can do. I'm excited to see those jerseys out there on the floor. Both teams, I love the color schemes they got. Riptide, still not a fan of that name, but the logos and all that look look fantastic. I think Halifax should probably get the win there. I think New York still has got a little bit. I think the Riptide still have a little bit of like work to do, especially on that um on the defensive end of things. Uh, but I'm excited to see guys like Kieran McCardle get out there um, and kind of lead a team, see what a guy like him can do. And it should be an exciting atmosphere there in Halifax. Uh, you know, Halifax, and a lot of people don't really mention this, but Halifax is kind of, they're not the exact same team from that team that won, that went to the NLL Finals a few years ago in Rochester, but they're very similar. A lot of guys were there. Uh, Kyle Jackson, he, he was on that team. You have multiple guys that were on that team. Um, then moving to the uh, New York, oh, excuse me, New England at Toronto game. This is going to be, like, this one, I don't really know what to expect from either team in this one because I, th- like, New England gets drilled and dosed in. I think that's going to be a big offensive threat for them. Toronto gets Dan Dawson. And, you know, I really don't, honestly, like, honestly, I don't know what to think of this game. Um, I, I think Toronto gets the win. But what I'm most, like, what I'm looking forward to seeing the most is Dan Dawson in Toronto. And he had kind of a bounce back year last year. And to be able to look and see what he can do in Toronto, if, if he can continue his success from last season in San Diego, bring that to Toronto and, and really be an effective part of this offense. And to see him play alongside guys like Tom Schreiber, um, I mean, this is going to be an exciting one. So, uh, I mean, I think Toronto, like, while Halifax, I think, is going to be a big one because we're it's marking the, the arrival of the NLL on Halifax, and, and, and you have all those things surrounding it, and also New York coming in as an expansion team. It, 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 it's a symbol of growth for the league, essentially. I, like while that is big and, and while that's that's intriguing and everything, I think Toronto and New England, the Rock and the Black Wolves, I think this could be the best game of the weekend. Now, this last game here, I'll talk about this one. Last year, I would have said this is going to be the best game of the weekend. Uh, if this was last year. San Diego at Buffalo. Um... In my article is coming out on Thursday, recording this on a Wednesday here. So it should be out by the time you all, y'all are listening to this. You know, I, I, I kind of quote it as offensive adjustments are the storyline of this game. Because you look at Buffalo, and they don't really have that many offensive adjustments. You still have Dane Smith. You still have Josh Bone. You still have quality, quality, high-quality players on that offense. But you got to figure out how to how to fit without Thomas Hogarth. Um, that's going to be a big thing. And then you also have San Diego, who lost Dan Dawson, as mentioned, and they don't have Austin Stotts. 
who is still out from that ACL injury from last season. So, like in this San Diego at Buffalo matchup, the really on both sides, kind of looking around, where the guys gonna be placed, how the guys gonna play, how how are things gonna work on the offensive side of the ball? I think both defenses are solid. I think they're both pretty good. Um, San Diego may have, may have had a loss or whatever. Um, and oh, I also forgot to mention, Westberg is in San Diego now. Westberg coming in. How is he going to fit with this with this offense? That will be a very, very interesting matchup. Uh, for sure, two teams that I think will... I think Buffalo is still a top team in, in their division. I still think San Diego is a... Maybe not. I think the I, I honestly think the West this year is probably the toughest division because you have Saskatchewan, you have Calgary, you have the past two champions in your league in those two teams. You have Colorado who... They didn't have the best year last year, but... They had a lot of energy going for them late last season, and the a good young, young talented team have a pretty solid defense. And then you look at San Diego, and they were first uh, expansion team last year. Didn't play like one. Did not play like one. Had rookie sensation Austin Stotts. Obviously, Dan Dawson was there. And I I even mentioned this, but Connor Fields will be healthy for a full season. How will he do for a full season in the NLL? I don't know. But it'll be be exciting to see. And you look at all those teams in the West, probably the toughest out of the three divisions. Um, The next one, like I think the East... Uh, probably the North, I think, would be the next toughest in the East. I think the East is just Georgia's to lose, to be honest with you. Um, but definitely some exciting matchups this weekend in the NOL, Um December 7th, so that is on... So all these games are Saturday night. Boo, NOL scheduling. Um, this is one of the weird times that this happens when they're all at the same time, essentially. Uh, but New York is at Halifax, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. New England is at Toronto at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And San Diego is at Buffalo at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That is your schedule for the NLL Week 2. That is it for the podcast this week. As always, check us out crossbucket.com. On social media at lacrossebucket, crossbucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.